Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to the book of Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. In a a few moments, we'll begin reading with verse number 1 of Exodus chapter 4. So, in the times that you've been talking with God lately, some of you, I realize, talk with God very frequently. Some of you may talk with God uh, on a rare occasion. But when you do talk with God, there's this deep sensation that God is calling you to do something that you are not now doing. I'm not talking about that He's calling you to add to what you're already doing. I'm saying God is calling you to do something you are not now doing. Deep in your heart, you know that God wants you to do something that you are not now doing. And you, instead of making the commitment to do what God is leading you to do, you're offering excuses. God, I'm too young. God, I'm too old. God, I'm not healthy enough. God, I'm too busy. God, I've got a job to do, and once I retire, then I'll start committing to these things. God, I've got family to take care of. God, I just can't do that. I don't have the talents and the gifts to do that. Whatever your excuse, it doesn't hold water with God. God is calling people in this church to service. I don't know exactly what all that service might be. Some of you may be calling uh, to be a missionary in a foreign country, some to be a missionary right here in the United States. Some of you, God may be calling you to be a teacher or a deacon, or some may be, God may be calling some of you just to, to conduct your own, maybe a visitation ministry. Maybe an encouragement ministry. I don't know what it is, but, but you know You have some idea of what God is leading you to do. And so far, you have said no. And you've offered nothing to God but weak, wimpy, wussy excuses. A lot of you are in that position, you know. A lot of you have been asked to serve in capacities just recently, and you offered excuses. And you think you've gotten away with it right now. Well, you're in good company. Because the Bible is covered from Genesis to Revelation with people who offered up to God wimpy excuses. I made a list of some of the folks, not an exhaustive list, but some of the folks that I know of in Scripture to whom God offered a call to service and they, instead of uh, responding positively to that call, they responded with excuses. When God came to, to Adam and he asked him why he had eaten from the tree, his excuse was, she made me do it. When God turned to Eve and said, why did you... Convinced your husband to eat from the tree. The snake made me do it. When Lot was being called by God in an angelic form to move out of Sodom and Gomorrah, 
He offered excuses to God. God says, I want you to go to thus and so mountain. And Lot says, I can't go there because they will mistreat me there. When Aaron, Moses' brother, had led the children of Israel to form a golden calf and they worshipped it while Moses tarried up on the mountain. And when Moses finally came down after 40 days and 40 nights and he saw the people worshipping this piece of stone, that's what gold is, a piece of stone. And he asked Aaron, why did you do this? And he says, the people made me do it. And we threw all the jewelry together in a fire and the jewelry melted and out came this calf. Excuses. Israel wanted a king. God didn't want them to have a king. But everybody's got a king was their excuse. In the New Testament, Jesus gave several stories. He talked about guests who'd been invited to a wedding. And in Luke chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, they offered excuses. I can't come because I, because I bought a piece of land. I can't come because I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm, try, I'm going to try them out. I can't come because I just got married and therefore I cannot come. When three different servants had been given talents by their master and, and the master told them to invest those talents, to use those talents and multiply them. Two of the servants, when the master came back, had used their talents and invested them and and had made more talents. But there was one who said, I didn't do it, master. I hid your talent in the ground. What was his excuse? I knew you were a hard man to deal with. Excuses. Perhaps the greatest excuse giver in the Bible, was also one of the greatest people in the Bible. Moses. In Exodus chapter 4, actually Exodus chapter 3, God appears to Moses on Mount Sinai and he calls him out of his farming career to go back to Egypt and lead the Israelite people out of Egyptian slavery. And Moses, rather than raising his hand as Isaiah did and say, here am I, send me. Moses says, not me, O Lord, not me, O Lord, not me. And he offers excuses. Exodus chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. In this list of excuses, we find God asking questions. And one of those questions is the God question that we'll deal with today. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? It is a staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he took it out, his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your cloak, God said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. 
Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second one. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said... Pardon your servant. Lord, please send someone else. Moses was born in Egypt. He was born to a slave mother. He was born at a very difficult time for the Israelites. They were slaves in Egypt. And the Bible says that they had, uh, their population had increased exponentially to the point where the Egyptians were concerned about the, what they referred to as the overpopulation of the Israelites. And so the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt in that day, decided upon a measure that he thought would control the population of the Israelites and his, his, uh, decision was that from here on out, every male child born among the Israelites would be killed at birth. There was a lot of mourning in the land. There were babies who were being slaughtered upon birth. Innocent babies, all of them. But the Bible says that Moses' mother decided to hide her baby. And when Moses was born, she hid him for several months until it came to the point where uh, being a rambunctious baby, he was so loud she couldn't hide him any longer. People could hear the baby screaming as they walked by her house. And so she took the baby and she made a miniature boat or ark. It was about the size of a basket. And she put tar inside it so that it would not sink. And she laid the baby in, I'm sure, blankets in that in that little miniature boat and she covered it and she pushed it out into the marshes of the river. The Bible said that after a while, Moses, Pharaoh's daughter was out at the palace of Pharaoh and she walked down to the marshes to bathe along with her maidservants. And the Bible says she heard the baby crying in that little miniature boat. And she had one of the servants bring the little boat to her. And she opened it up and she saw the baby. And immediately her heart melted and she fell in love with this little Israelite child. And she took him up in her arms. And she asked her father if she could keep this baby for her own. And there's no father upon seeing a baby, no decent father upon seeing a baby who is going to tell his daughter, you can't have that baby. And so they took Moses into Pharaoh's palace. They needed some woman to nurse the baby. And so God in God's providence, the daughter of Pharaoh selected Moses own mother to nurse him. What about that? 
at a time when baby boys were, were sentenced to death upon birth, here is this woman's child being raised in the palace of Pharaoh as, pa- as Pharaoh's grandson, no less, and she gets to nurse him in that very palace. The Bible says that Moses grew up. Uh, he no doubt grew up in, uh, in uh, prosperity. He grew up in uh, influence and he grew up in affluence. And one day when he was about 40 years old, the Bible says that he began to recognize his identity. He realized that he didn't look the same as the Egyptians. He didn't feel the same as the Egyptians. And he found himself more identifying with the Israelites. And he realized that his own people were being abused by the Egyptian people. One day he saw an Egyptian abusing an Israelite, and Moses looked to the left, and he looked to the right to make sure nobody was looking, and he intervened, and he killed the Egyptian. He told the other other Israeli to be quiet, don't say anything about it. Some days later, he saw two Israelite men. And they were fighting and wrestling with each other. And Moses again intervened. He says, look, he said, you don't need to be fighting amongst each other. And one of those men said, Moses, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to kill one of us the way you did the Egyptian? And at that moment, Moses realized that the news of his offense had begun to spread. And he was fearing for his life. And he fled Egypt as a fugitive went out into the desert. And while he was in the desert, he met a man named Jethro. And Jethro hired him to tend Jethro's flocks. And not only that, Moses fell in love with Jethro's daughter and married her. The Bible says that when Moses was about 80 years old, he was tending Jethro's flock up on the mountain. And the Bible says that God began speaking to him through a bush that was burning, but was not being consumed. And God said, Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. They'd been in Egyptian bondage, been in Egypt for 430 years, probably the last 130 to 150 years of that. They'd been in slavery. And the Bible says that God called Moses to go to Egypt. And it started a conversation in which God was calling and Moses was excusing. God would call and Moses would offer excuses. He simply did not want to go. He did not think he was adequate for the job. He did not believe that the Israelites would listen to him. I believe that the major reason he didn't want to go back to Egypt is because he was on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. And if he went back, they would arrest him and probably execute him for murder. So Moses offered excuses. And in exchange with with Moses, God asked him questions, a, a whole array of questions. What is in your hand? It was a staff that he turned into a snake and then back to a staff or a cane. Who makes people deaf or mute? The Lord says, who gives him sight or makes them blind? The Lord asked, is it not I? The Lord asked, there's a, a series of questions. God asked Moses and each of those questions 
were designed to help Moses see that God, not Moses, would be the one who would bring rescue to the people and who would engineer success through Moses. But Moses didn't get it. He says, I don't speak well. I, 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 I don't speak well. I'm not eloquent. I never have been. Not since, uh, not, not before now and not since you've been talking. about. I, 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 can't, I can't speak, he says. And God says, Moses, who gave human beings their, their mouths? I like the way the King James says it in this, in this case. Who hath made man's mouth, he says. Have not I, says the Lord. You see, God tends to use the most ordinary of people to do extraordinary things. You don't have to be a theological superstar for God to do something great through you. You don't have to worry about your past. You might think, well, I've been an alcoholic, or I've been a drug addict, or I've been a prostitute, or I've been loose, I've had loose morals, or, or I came from a poor background, or, or whatever excuse you want to you wanna offer to God. God doesn't care about that. He's not concerned about where you've been. He's concerned about where you're going, and He wants to do something great through you. And some of you have been offering excuses. Let me share some things from this question. Who gave human beings their mouths? The first thing I want you to note is this. It is actually good for us to recognize our limitations. Moses' response to God, although it is painted in a negative sense in Exodus 4, reveals the fact that Moses realized he had limitations. You and I have met some people before who didn't think they had limitations, who thought they were the salt of the earth, who thought the sun rose and shine on them and them alone. There are some people who do not believe they have limitations and they're very proud of their perceived limitlessness. But not Moses. And I'll tell you, of anybody who, who lived during that time, if anyone could have boasted about his ability, it would have been Moses above anybody else. But this Moses recognized his limitations. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, he says, Who am I that I should go there? I'm nothing, in other words. Exodus 3, 13. What if they ask me your name? I don't even know what your name is. I'm not, I haven't been, been close enough to you to know your name. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. What if they don't believe me? I don't have integrity. I don't have credibility with them. Chapter 4, verse 13. I'm not a good speaker. Chapter 4, verse 13. Again, I just can't go. Moses recognized his limitations. That can be a good thing. In fact, I will say that first and foremost, that's a good thing. Because when we realize the, our own weaknesses and our own limitations, then we get in the very position where God can use us the greatest. It's good to recognize our limitations. Secondly, we need to recognize that God is the one who gave us our limitations. You say, well, I'm real shy. God is the one who made you that way. I have a too blunt a personality. I speak, before, I speak before my brain goes into gear. God gave you that personality. 
well, I've got, a, I've got uh, uh, some problem in my family. I was born into a dysfunctional family. Listen, you didn't have a choice about being born into a dysfunctional family. And so the fact that you had no choice in it means that God actually put you in that dysfunction. Now, he may be trying to rescue you out of it, but what I'm trying to say to you is this. Whatever your limitation, God gave it to you. What about Moses' lack of credibility? God gave him that. What about Moses' inability to speak? Whatever it was, maybe a stutter. Or maybe he was the type of person who had to think a long time before he would finish a sentence. Whatever it was that was uh, Moses' speech impediment, God gave that limitation to Moses. And so what that means is that God knew Moses' limitations even before Moses did. God knows your limitations. He knew about them before you ever realized that you had them. God gave you your limitations. Now, number three, I want you to notice is this, that God calls us into service in spite of our limitations. This is why making excuses is so ridiculous. Because God, who gave us our limitations and our weaknesses, has called us to his service in spite of the very limitations that he has given us. We see that in his answers to Moses. Moses says, I don't even know who you are. He says, tell them my name is I am that I am. Uh, They won't even believe me. I'll perform miracles through you so they'll believe you. And he gave gave Moses three different ones. In the end, he would give him another nine. (laughs) In addition to the three that he gave him here in Exodus chapter 4. I am not a good communicator. I will speak through you because I've made your mouth, Moses. I still can't do it. And and, and in the verses following the ones we read, God became angry with Moses. God became angry with him. He says, all right. He says, your brother, Aaron, he's on his way over here. You see, God, God, uh, he, he anticipated Moses' excuses. And he already had Moses' brother, Aaron, on the way back to Sinai. He said, your brother's coming, he can speak. He's a good speaker, isn't he? You do know that he is a good speaker, don't you, Moses? You see, God calls us to service in spite of our limitations. Number four, when we, in our limitations, succeed for God in whatever he's called us to do, God is glorified. God is glorified. You see, most of the time, God will not... Use a person who thinks that he or she has already won the battle. A person who thinks they can conquer the world in and of their own power. A person who's so consumed with pride you can't even see the real person. God rarely uses such a person. God uses ordinary people. That's why he called Moses, who was tending sheep of all things, That's why he called Jeremiah, who was in a priestly family, but didn't even live in Jerusalem. He lived 20 miles away or so at Anathoth. That's why God called Amos, who said, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but God took me 
And he spoke through me. God speaks through ordinary people. And when, when ordinary people are used of God to accomplish great things for God, God is glorified because those people know more than anything else that had they tried to do this in their own power, they would have failed miserably. Who in the world would have chosen the 12 disciples that Jesus chose? I wouldn't have chosen them. You wouldn't have chosen them. I'm not going to go look for fishermen out there who uh, are foul-mouthed to go spread the message of Christ. I'm not going to pick Judas for sure. And yet, these are the men Jesus personally chose. Why? Because that's the way God works. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Because when that happens, he gets glory. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He says, I've seen some great things in my life for 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said this, he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited about my experiences, God gave me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. There were three times that I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, God told Paul, no, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. What is he saying there? He's saying that when you are in your weaknesses, when you are in your limitations and you recognize those limitations, you are then in the best position to be used of God. And Paul says, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God is glorified when we recognize our limitations and yet we follow him in spite of those limitations. Now, number five, and this may be the most important thing, especially with, with, uh, related to Moses. When you and I offer excuses to God, when he calls us to service and we offer excuses for God or offer excuses to God, what we're really saying is this. We're not saying, God, I can't. Here's what we're saying. God, you can't. God's calling you to service. And all you've offered him like Moses here is a bag full of excuses. Excuses that you think say, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't talk good. I don't have enough time. I'm not retired yet, so I can't do this. I can't, I can't. But what God is hearing is, he's hearing you say to him over and over again, God, you can't. You can't do this through me. You see, we're not diminishing ourselves. We're diminishing the power of God, which is laughable when you consider the fact that God is infinitely powerful. We can't even measure the extent of his power and his control and his majesty and his love and his justness and his righteousness and his mercy and his grace. How many of you right now are in a position where God, you know, you haven't talked with anybody about it maybe, or maybe you have, but you know that God is calling you to do something. It may seem like a small something, or it may seem like a big something, but all you've offered God is excuses. All you've done is say to God over and over again, God, I don't believe that you can. I don't even believe you can through me. Are you kidding? 
dare we insult God in such a way? As God said to Isaiah, is my arm too short that I can't save? Are these people saying, God, you can't? Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, said this about excuses. He said, Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Reb was immoral. David had an affair as well as other family problems. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Mary worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. Timothy was shy and timid. That is quite a variety of misfits, but God used each of them in his service and he'll use you too if you will stop making excuses God is not looking for the best qualifications he's not looking for the best ability the best charisma the best prospects he's looking for people he can gift and equip to do his work and it starts It starts when we stop the excuses and we start saying, God, I will, because I believe you can through me. And I believe if you've called me, you will work through me. You see, every person in this room has great potential, not because you're great. We have great potential, not because we're talented, not because we're handsome or pretty, not because we're well-trained. We all have potential because our potential originates not in us, but in God. Therefore, each of us has infinite potential. God wants to use us. Charlie Brown once said to Lucy, he said, There is no heavier burden than great potential. Moses was a man with great potential, yet he had notable weaknesses. But Moses' limitations, I want you to get this, Moses' limitations did not limit God. Your limitations do not limit God. Don't even suggest to Him that they do. When we feel inadequate, we should remember that our weaknesses are not what give us success in ministry. It is the Lord working through us. So let me ask you. What is God leading you to do? What excuses have you offered Him in response? Don't you think it's time, church, that some of us here rise up to the occasion and we say to God, no more excuses. I'm here. I don't know how to do much. But I know you do. Use me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, in this room today, there are people who need to invite Jesus Christ to be their Savior. In this room today, there are people who need a church home and they need to come and join Palmetto Baptist Church. In this church today, there are people who are saved 
But they have offered every excuse under heaven to keep from doing what they know you have called them to do. Lord, there are people with struggles in their lives. They've been struggling for some time, some of them. And they need to come and just once again yield themselves to you. Lord, this is an altar of prayer. And when we stand, it's what we call an invitation. It's the time when we respond to what you've said through the worship, what you've said through the message, what you've said through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that this building today would not be what it has been for so many Sundays in a row, a building full of excuses. Lord, I pray that this building, starting now, will be a building full of I do's and I will. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.